This is where we uncover the simple traditions that successful business owners are doing every day to build a successful home life while still taking the lead in their business. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I am your host, Wanda Howard, and today we have a very stressful topic. I have been really excited, though, because as parents, as business owners, we know all too well the stress cycles that we fall into. And our guest today is Professor Pete Alexander. And when I have people come onto my show, I have them fill out this questionnaire. And in it, it says, what is the topic that you would give this podcast? And he put tackling stress before it tackles you. And I thought that was so good just because knowing more about his career and what he's done, he has been in the depths of stress and he has had to literally fight for his life because of it. So I'm excited to hear his story and have all of you learn the things that he's learned about stress and how to manage it. So welcome, Pete, and tell us about yourself. Well, Wanda, thank you so much for having me on the show, and I really appreciate your listeners' uh, uh, time as well. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, intro there um, because stress and I have had a long (laughs) history together. It goes way back to uh, growing up in a very dysfunctional family. And uh, what was interesting is that I had to often be the adult because there weren't uh, people acting as adults when I was growing up. And uh, so, you know, a lot of the things that you get to do as a child, I didn't get to do because I had to 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 be much more serious. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, I never noticed how I was ineffectively dealing with my stress as I started to mature and started my career and uh, was uh, focusing pretty much on my work duties more than anything else. And it wasn't uh, until uh, back in 2008 when I had one of those perfect storm of stressful activities. Uh, You know, we've all been there where we got a lot of things going on. But this one in particular was pretty crazy because uh, my dad was dying. He needed his uh, affairs to be taken care of. Um, My mom had uh, just had major surgery and and didn't have the insurance to help her in her rehab. Um, I was running my business. I had my my kids were small at the time uh, and wanted my attention. And uh, my my marriage was heading for a divorce. And so um, all of a sudden, I started losing weight rapidly. And you know, it, at first, it was it was fantastic. I was in my mid forties. I hadn't lost weight since my early twenties, and you know, I wasn't doing any special dieting, uh, and the weight just kept on coming off. And uh, I was eating whatever I wanted, and then after the thirtieth pound came off, I thought, mm, I better get this checked out, and because uh, this isn't really normal. And sure enough, comes back and doctor tells me, oh, you have stress-induced diabetes. And there's no diabetes in my family. So it was like, whoa, what happened? But like, you know, classic entrepreneurs, what I did was, um, you know, I just said, okay, fine, give me whatever medication I need. And uh, I I don't have time for this. I got to keep going. And so 
like um, you know, many people did. I did the same thing. I just kept on, you know, burning the candle at both ends for another 10 years until I ended up in the emergency room with a severe case of diabetic ketoacidosis. And for your listeners who don't know what that is, my body was basically eating itself alive because of my stress. Wow. And it that was that was a crazy thing. It was um uh it, it it was something where you know I I didn't realize what I was doing to myself until I I I landed there in the hospital. I'd been in the emergency room many times, but I ended up uh, with an extended stay for the first time in my life and hopefully I don't ever have this again. An extended stay in ICU. Um, because I was so dehydrated and, uh, they thought I was actually having a heart attack. I must, you know, I must've been green when I went into the, uh, into the ER, but, um, I went through six liters of fluid in basically one hour and I never had to go to the bathroom. So you can imagine, yeah, <laughs> that's how dehydrated I was. Um, and you know, it wasn't until um, a couple of days into my ICU stay, and I got a text, a work text, and I started stressing about that work te- uh, text. And the nurse on call that was taking care of me at the time, this right six o'clock in the morning, uh, she's they were taking my blood sugars every uh, every hour or so. And I was sitting there on my phone trying to uh, take care of what, what I was taking care of. And my numbers had finally come down into more reasonable levels. When I was first admitted to the ER, uh, my blood sugars were so high that the medical grade glucometer could not read it. It basically just said high. The lab estimated that I was eight to 10 times higher than normal. So, here I was now um, back, not normal, but it was at least reasonable. And as I'm sitting there on my phone trying to reschedule because I didn't have my laptop in the ICU, um, she, she takes my blood sugars again, and it was like a 90 degree angle. She started shooting straight back up. And she just says, as a matter of factly to me, she says, you realize that's what puts you in this hospital bed in the first place. And it was like that epiphany moment for me. It was like, you know, I, I, I woke up and I thought, wow, she's absolutely right. I mean, I knew this inside of me. Others had told me this, you know, but it's like a perfect stranger with nothing to gain tells me this. And I sit there and I started thinking about it. And I realized that I was trading my health for my career. And that's a really bad trade because if I didn't change, I probably wouldn't be around much longer. And that was, that was the, the reality that set in. Wow. So much there to dissect, but the, the fact that like when you started seeing symptoms, it was still another 10 years before Mm -hmm. it was that bad. And I think so often we think, oh, we'll get over this. And we just keep pushing it on and on that it can, if we think that since it's not happening rapidly, it's not that big of a deal, but 
it causes a lot longer of a healing process too if you go down the hole that long <laughs> absolutely and it, i mean the symptoms this was um you know the symptoms had been hitting me well before this um you know what i what i always recommend to people is is that you know our bodies will give us signals all the time if we're overly stressed stressed you know it's it's it starts typically with the back and shoulder stiffness you know cuz a lot of us are working at a desk and when we're we're stressed we tend to hunch over at our desks so that gives us the back and shoulder stiffness you know and either excessive or not enough sleep is a classic uh, example um digestive disorders where no no amount of peptobismol will take care of it um classic for me before I got my diabetes was um, headaches every day or every other day. And, you know, I'm reaching for the Excedrin bottle every day and, and thinking that can't be, you know, not, not registering that, you know, there's something else wrong here when I have to be taking migraine medicine uh, every day. Um, and of course, you know, the weight fluctuations that, like I mentioned about losing weight rapidly or gaining weight rapidly, those are, those are classic signs. And those are the early ones. You know, and what happened with me was that um, I wasn't, I was ignoring those early signs and I just kept on ignoring them. And then, you know, your, your body basically just keeps up, uh, upping the ante. And uh, what ended up happening was, you know, I just finally said, you know what, if you're not going to pay attention to this, okay, let's uh, knock your pancreas out and see what, uh, you know, see if you respond to that. And it's it's sort of like you know the weakest link you know in the chain that's whatever in your body is going to be the weakest link at that time that's what it's going to attack and you know i i, I had um my back was locking up and <laughs> i got bursitis in my knees i kept on ignoring that too and it's just wow. uh, you know so finally you know it it just has to keep uh, upping the ante until you get to a point where it may not be, you can't come back from it. And like, for example, with diabetes being a chronic disease, I'm stuck with it for the rest of my life now. Wow. And I think that what you pointed out is really helpful for listeners that stress hits everybody differently. It's depending mm -hmm. on what's the weakest link in your body and it's going to yeah. attack that first to get attention quickest. So yes, that's huge. Um, so what did you do then after you're there at the hospital starting to get better? Like, how did you pull yourself from stressful cycles? How did you create a life where you're no longer going further down that hole? Yeah, it's a good question. So what I did after I got out of the hospital, I started looking at different ways to try and reduce my stress. And uh, so I, you know, I started Googling things. I started talking to different people and I tried hundreds of different things. And a lot of them worked, some of them didn't. And what I found was that the ones that do work, I do them regularly. And the thing is, is that once you get into the habit, that's that's where the key has to happen is you got to do it enough times where it becomes a habit. And, you know, habits will, will start uh, as little as 21 days if you do it uh, 21 days in a row. But you know, usually it's between 21 and 60 days, you'll get, uh, you'll get into the habit for something. And uh, what I find is that there are ones that really work well. And uh, those are the ones, those are my go-to 
methods to help me, um, you know, reduce my stress when I am much more, and I'm much more aware of it. Um, Because I never liked myself when I was stressed and snapping at people. (laughs) Just, you know, it's not a, it's not the kind of person that I want to be. But what ends up happening is, is that in the moment, it happens. It does. And, uh, you know, and it still does to me. There's, there's occasionally when things, even for myself, will get under my, my skin, but I'm much quicker to see, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the temperature level in my, in my psyche going up. And, uh, and I realize, okay, I need to do something to, to help calm it down. And it works really well when you just, when you have at least one go to activity that can help you be able to just say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, the interesting thing is when I started researching about different things to do, you know, I I was looking at this and like I was seeing these books, 300 page books on meditation or yoga, or I'm thinking to myself, I don't have time to read a 300 page book on meditation. I, I've got a couple of minutes right now. Uh, let me try and do something because that's the reality for a lot of us. You know, we're so busy that we only have a few minutes. And typically, it's right before we're going to have a perceived stressful <laughs> event. And so that's where, um, you know, I said to myself, okay. I got to help people figure out what are some of these ways that uh, you can just be able to calm yourself before the storm. And um, because if, if we can calm ourselves before the storm, often what will happen is, is the storm is not nearly as bad as what we think it's going to be, you know, cause we, we, it, it's a lot of times it's just in our mind that, you know, how often ha- have, ha- I'm sure everybody can r- relate to this where, Let's say something's, you know, something's going to be happening in the future. Let's say um, you got to give a presentation and you don't want to be up on stage and you're thinking, oh, it's going to be terrible. They're going to think I'm, I suck, blah, 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 blah. And if you keep thinking that, the reality is we, we have manif- manifestation powers. And if we keep on thinking that we're going to fail at something in the future, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that we will. But if we think positively about something, chances are it's going to work out positively. So it's all about the energy and and uh, sending out the positive energy to the universe and the universe sending it back to us. But if we send out negative energy to the universe, guess what we're going to attract back? Negative energy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So after... Is that what you are doing now? Tell us more about what your business is like. And if people are resonating with what you're saying, like, Mm -hmm. what is it that you do? How do you help other people? Sure. So um, what I do is, um, well, what my my business is, I I own a a landscaping business. And so that's that's where... um, uh, my day-to-day stuff is, but with the in terms of helping people, what I do is I post about different stress relief activities, and uh, I wrote a book, uh, uh, an Amazon best-selling book about it. Uh, Lighten your day is what it is, um, and uh, it has over a hundred of the 
easiest stress relief tips that I came up with uh, that I found that that worked. Um, and I basically just refer people to try something. That's that's the key. So, you know, instead of investing hours upon hours upon hours on one particular technique, try something short. You know, something that'll take one to two minutes. And if it works, run with it. If it doesn't work, big deal. You spent a couple of minutes on it. Try something else. And so that's what uh, what I what I've been uh, doing for the last uh, oh wow three and a half years has been um, just helping people with different ideas, talking to them, helping them uh, uh, be able to overcome the typical stressors that we we have in balancing our careers, our family life, our relationships, et cetera. It's, it's, it's all about getting into the right mindset. And, uh, you know, it, it can, it can start with just a simple, simple activity, a one minute activity, and then you go from there. Oh, perfect. And I like that too, because you, you consolidated all of the findings that you had into a short book instead of your listeners having to find like three, 10, 20 books that have 300 pages in them and they have to figure out all of these different things. So that's definitely helpful. And when you're dealing with stress, you already have that feeling of, I don't have time. <laughs> so right. that's perfect. So what then, another thing that you kept saying at the beginning that I think is really valuable here is, um, I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of, I this these techniques weren't modeled for me. They're not natural for me it's not who i am and all of this past identity and the fact that one you broke cycles when you were able to start creating something different in your life so what what did your growing up look like what did your parents do that other parents can be aware of not to pass on and what did they do that helped mm, that's a very good question well um, most of the dysfunction that came uh, from my childhood uh, centered around alcoholism. And uh, so the what I would pass on to uh, those that are listening, be careful, first of all, A, if you find that you're um, reaching for the bottle more than you should be. Yeah. Because if you think that your kids are not noticing that, you're wrong kids are going to notice that. Um, and the kids, your kids are going to be affected by that because unfortunately, um, our personalities change when we're intoxicated. And, um, you know, the reality is something you might say, something you might do when you're, you're intoxicated, um, that is not something that you can take back. And so uh, I spent, I, I have spent, I'm still in the program. I spent over 30 years in a program, a 12-step program called Adult Children of Alcoholics. And that's because of the dysfunction that I had to experience as a kid. And uh, that program saved my life because what it did was it taught me not only to like myself, but love myself and to become my own loving parent. Because what my parents did is that they ended up uh, just focusing on themselves. They, you know, and the kids were just a, an afterthought for a lot, lot of my childhood. And that, you know, the, the, the reality is 
what I did as an, uh, parent myself is that once the children come, that's the first priority. And even though, you know, we have all these other responsibilities, that's number one. And it's interesting, even now my kids are all grown and, um, I can be working on whatever it is that I'm working on. But if I get a text from any one of my kids, <laughs> that takes priority for me because that that's how I look at them at, uh, on the, um, uh, on my prioritization order. And so kids, they, they are going to challenge us. They're always going to challenge us. They're going to push us in all these different directions. Um, and there's going to be points where, especially when they're teenagers, where you kind of think, oh, I, I, like I remember a uh, one uh, one of my friends who had a, a child that was a couple of years older than my oldest. And uh, she told me, she said, you know, when your kids get to be teenagers, you have to remember this one simple rule. You love them, but you don't necessarily like them. <laughs> and it was a real, real thoughtful thing because, um, you know, the kid, the, the teenagers, we all did it, pushed back, um, you know, because when we were teenagers, we knew everything, right? So, uh, uh, and that's what our, our kids are going to do with us as well. And so, you know, you have to have patience with that, but remember that you love them and that's, that's the primary thing. And so a lot, a lot of the um, uh, challenges that uh, I see a lot of parents doing too, is thinking that they have to be friends with their teenagers. And the reality is you're the parent and sure you can have be friendly, but you aren't going to be friends necessarily because if you try and be friends, then you're not going to give them the boundaries that they so desperately need. They may not say that they want them, but they need them. And so it's important to, 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 to remember that as well. I think too, that that's definitely a huge, um, a belief in something that a lot of our culture kind of takes in the wrong way. Cause when we say we can't be our kids friends, I think oftentimes as parents, we step into this role of, I have to be controlling or I have to be the one, um, the dictatorship. And that's that's definitely not the thing either. So I think what a lot of people mean when they say, you're not your kid's friend. I, I personally don't like that phrase at all because it, I think it just puts people in the wrong mindset of what it, the point it's trying to get across. because. Mm -hmm really our kids, they need to know how to build friendships. That's one of the most valuable skills that they can get. But, and so with us, the kind of friendship that they build with us, that's exactly the kind of friendship that you need. They don't need a parent that doesn't have rules and discipline and, uh -huh. and just, it, you can push them around and walk all over and the kids can do whatever they want. They need parents with structure, but that is what true friendship looks like. Somebody uh -huh. that holds you accountable, somebody that's there for you, somebody that knows what's right and wrong and that you're able to talk about it back and forth and it's not a dictatorship so i think that's a hugely valuable thing to realize like that phrase um although the intentions are well so many people can be taking it 
way too far. <laughs> right. That's why I, I pointed out that it's you want to have a friendly relationship with, yeah. with, with your kids because you're right. The dictatorship. Oh my gosh. My, my dad was like that. You know, he, um, he used to, to go by the, by the process that children should be seen and not heard. Yes. Um, oh. you know, and he had a really bad temper and it was, it was scary at times. And so, you know, the, it, it wasn't until after, uh, a f you know, after he retired and I was in my career and it was sort of like, um, you know, that old, old song cats in the cradle. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was totally my dad and I, I mean, I try, I wanted his attention when I was growing up, he never had time for me. And then when he want, when he was retired and he wanted, uh, wanted to spend time with me, I didn't have the time. So um, it, it, it's, it, it's, you don't want that as well. Like, you know, I look at um, uh, my kids now and, you know, I probably talk to them, oh, once a week, you know, and uh, we, you know, it's, I, I spend what, you know, whatever time they, they, they want to want to have the thing, you know, want to talk about certain things. That's what we're going to talk about, you know, and, and, uh, um, and they know that they can depend on me, uh, you know, whenever they need. And so uh, it's, I'm glad about that. It, it was, it, I really, really, really focused on what my mom or my dad, um, the mistakes they made, I know they, they did their best, you know, for what they had. They were neither, neither of them should have ever had children. Um, but, you know, the reality is that they did. And I figure that, Whenever I, my kids, uh, at any point where I was faced with something challenging, I often would say, now, what would, if, if this was my mom or my dad, what would they do? And I kid you not, a lot of times I would do just the opposite. <laughs> and it worked. It worked because I, I was much more aware of it. Um, and, you know, the only thing that I think that uh, I didn't do, which I, you know, I, I had set out to do is my, you know, there were, my, my parents had uh, combined, had nine marriages, seven divorces and one widowing. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping to keep the divorce out of the picture for my kids. I didn't, that didn't work out, but uh, I was able to, you know, make it a, um, you know, a, a amicable split so that the kids were, were minimized from the stressors of that. But, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of them and, and they've been, uh, uh, they're successful at what they're doing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I continue to, to, to marvel at, you know, the, the, the adults that they've become. Yeah. There's, I think so many things go into as we start to create a different kind of life for our kids that really, as we can gauge, like you said, you were hoping to keep divorce out of the picture. And even though it didn't go exactly like you hoped, you still made it less. Like one, there was only one divorce. Two, it was a better cycle of divorce. It, it was better amical. And so I think so many times we beat ourselves up because we feel like we're passing down the same things. But if we are simply aware of what our parents did that we don't want to, we are stopping those cycles. Just mm -hmm. being aware of it. 
Um, the another question I have for you though is, you kept saying that you put your kids as priority, and it's obviously true. Just the fact that your kids know that because they're texting you, they're calling you, like you have those conversations still, even though they're outgrown. But I feel like so many people. Um, that feels very elusive. What what does it mean to put them as a priority? How do you do that on a day to day like basis? What what does that look like? So, what is something that you did as your kids were growing up to make sure that they knew that they were a priority and not just something you felt, but that they knew it? Well, you know, it's a great question. Um, there's two things. One, I didn't realize I was doing at the time, and I didn't do it well, but I, I certainly uh, got better as I as I um, became more aware. But one thing that we always have to do is remember that we have to take care of ourselves first, because if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of our kids. So make sure that you take care of your health. That's that's really critical. The other thing that I found was more powerful than anything else is the power of listening. So you know how distracting it is um, with our phones when, you know, it always amazes me how a text, a phone call, whatever, takes priority over the person right in front of you. You know, and and take a look, at, you know, you go to a restaurant and you just see the people that are on the phones. And I, and I always think to myself, <laughs> why did you even come out to dinner, right? I mean, you could just get takeout. You're not enjoying the experience of being at the table with somebody else. It's you're just on the phone. And unfortunately, um, my kids are attached to their phones now. So that's, they grew up with them and... That is what everything everything relies on that. But when I'm having a conversation with them, whether it's in person or on the phone, I make sure that I'm not doing something else. I'm not multitasking because it's more important to be present because if you are present with them when they're talking and what they're saying, then they they're feeling they they know that they're being heard and if they feel like they're being heard then they know you care oh so good well thank you so much pete and um for anybody that wants to connect with you because they've resonated with what you have shared and they want to know more about stress or family life um please send me the links and i will put them down below for people to be able to contact you that way Thank you again for coming and we will see you all next time. I am so glad that you were able to be here and discover more with us of what it means to be a successful parent. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a rate interview so that we can reach more amazing parents who are looking for ways to truly succeed with their kids too. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at WandaHoward.Live. If you're like, holy cow, this was amazing, but I have so many more questions, then send me a DM with your biggest takeaways and all of your questions. I'll be sure to take care of you. Have an amazing day, and I will see you in our next episode.